0: Entrepreneurship is so idolized now, right? It's become part of like our culture is this thing that's like way glorified. I mean, and nobody talks about 80% of it and how absolutely nightmarish the process is and stressful and isolating and like grueling it is.
1: Hey everyone, welcome back to the show. Today's interview is extra exciting because it is a brand I know and love and you probably know and love. And it's been a brand that I have been wearing and gifting to so many of my friends. And it was really amazing to hear the backstory and just how this dream came to life. It really makes you feel like anything is possible. And I will be so honest with you. It is the truth. It is gritty. It is real and it's raw. So prepare yourself because it is the truth about entrepreneurship and how it can feel. So. Today on the show, I have Gorjana Rydell and Iva Pauling. Maybe you recognize the name. Gorjana Rydell was born and raised in Serbia until she was seven years old and later made her way to the United States by way of Canada. She lived with her grandparents who were a significant influence in her creative journey. Her childhood home was full of handmade trinkets, which ignited her passion of creation and ultimately led to her visualization of Gorjana as a brand. After completing her degree in marketing in Arizona, she moved with her now husband, Jason, to California. While working in the jewelry department at Neiman Marcus, she realized that she had a love for jewelry and design. So she started working with a local designer to learn all aspects of jewelry making and business. She set out to design fun, versatile jewelry for her friends at an accessible price point. So at 26, she did just that. She launched her namesake jewelry collection with an accessible price point and it had the look and feel of high-end jewelry. You guys, I'm actually wearing one of her pieces right now. I'm obsessed. I have about 10 of them, maybe more. During their humble beginnings, Goriana and Jason would drive thousands of miles selling their collection and fulfilling orders. From their apartment. The pair ultimately grew out of the apartment and into an artist studio in the canyon of Laguna Beach, California, which is now right down the road from me from where I'm living. So I will be going to their store. Goriana has since grown into a multi million dollar business with high profile customers that include the likes of Michelle Obama. No big deal. Goriana still maintains the welcoming price point to all of her customers experience, which has allowed the expansion of their D2C stores across the country with more stores opening and announced in 2022. If you've not been into a store, you have to go. And you guys, Iva Pauling is her sister. And she is the CEO and co-founder of Richer Poorer, which is a really cool brand. If you have not checked it out, go follow it on Instagram. You're going to love it. Iva has taken the company through fundraising an early acquisition and a founder buyback over the last decade. She leads the company's strategic planning, brand design, and product category expansion with a crazy level of persistence, which you will hear this in the interview. She's been featured in Forbes, Inc., LA Times, and included in the 100 Most Powerful Women of 2020 Entrepreneur Magazine. She has spent her entire 20-year career in the fashion industry, starting out in the PR closet of Kate Spade and ending in overseeing brand development for her sister's namesake jewelry brand, Goriana. prior to founding Richer Poorer. You guys... This is such a fun interview because I think it's crazy. Two sisters coming from the same family, one in clothing, one in jewelry, some of the hardest things to break into and just really hearing about the grit that it takes. So let's get started. Goryana and Eva, I'm so excited to have you on the show. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for having us. Thank you for having us. We're excited to be here. So you guys, if you don't know, I just read their bios, but they are sisters. They are stunning. They're amazing. They're talented. I literally cannot wait to figure out how in the heck this has happened twice in the family. (laughs)
0: we're not sure either yeah we don't know what happened it wasn't intentional
1: (laughs) who drove each other like what was going on there I love 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 the fact that you both have incredible businesses and Goriana if you guys did not recognize the name I'm not sure where you're living or where you're hiding but I absolutely am obsessed with your jewelry I was just telling you I have the Parker layering set and I swear to you whenever I wear it people are like where did you get it I'm like, doesn't everybody have this yet? And you need to go and have it because it's just a staple. So I love your stuff. So excited when we saw that we were going to have you on. Could not wait. So here we are. I get to ask about all of the things. And Eva, you have an incredible company called Richer Horror. And they are comfortable elevated essentials. And they're so freaking cute. And they just happen to go so perfectly with your sister's jewelry. It's crazy how that happens. (laughs) They sure do. Combo, yeah. (laughs) So, I guess that's where I would love to start. Out is have you guys remotely put your finger on what it is or what the mindset is that has made both of you like really go for it, really get out there and create such amazing businesses?
2: I mean, I think for me, look, we're both born in Serbia, it was Yugoslavia at the time. I was seven, Eva was three when we moved to Canada not speaking obviously a word of English. Then we lived in Canada and then for like seven years, seven years. I don't know how many. That sounds about right. Roughly. Yeah. About seven years, six, seven years. And then we moved to Scottsdale, Arizona. And so I think for me, I always look at it. Like we were always kind of like fish out of water. Like it was always like this new environment we were going into, and we had to adapt and like figure it out. And so I think having that in our backgrounds, and ironically, my husband moved around a lot as a kid too. So I feel like there's something about that moving and having to adjust and sort of like learn your environment and understand your environment and understand how to succeed that I inherently think think is what like a lot like has driven our success. And then I think the fact that we came from an immigrant family and our dad is like, you know, has his doctorate is a very successful, like doctor and engineer and all that. And it's not that we grew up poor or anything, but I think he was always seeking opportunity. And so I think that that has been a big driver. I think for me too, is just understanding that and always like wanting the opportunity and seeing it and kind of like driving for more, which isn't always
0: the best thing I will say. (laughs) (laughs)
2: but
0: I would agree. I mean, I think that coming from an immigrant family, I think is like such the genesis of both of our lives of, you know, being set on a course with our parents. You know, I think Goran was a little bit older, obviously. I was three when we moved, like all I've known is kind of moving and starting over and having to kind of start from scratch. And I think watching our parents take such giant risks, right? Like leaving the whole family behind in Yugoslavia to go kind of seek more opportunity is a really inspiring thing. And I think there was also this innate sense that our parents like really instilled in us like a really high level of confidence that there was kind of like nothing we couldn't do. So I don't think that we were raised with a whole lot of fear just naturally of like, well, if you want to do that, you just kind of go figure it out. And I think we both have always kind of taken that mentality of just kind of go figure it out. We certainly had no idea what we were doing we didn't have parents that were entrepreneurs. Nothing about the paths that we have kind of chosen was laid out for us in any capacity. It certainly was a little bit more for me because I actually worked for Goriana about four years before kind of, you know, going off on my own. But, you know, that just kind of instilled in me of like, okay, well, I can see other people do it. I can see my sister do this. This is something that I think I can take on and I think I can handle. So it's really like a drive of that, you know, seeing kind of opportunity, Coming from an immigrant background where we've kind of started over a few times as a family and getting that confidence from our parents of just like, you go figure it out, like you can do it.
1: I love that. It's like the story of your life kind of provided the challenges and resistance so that it it almost makes challenges not seem so big. Where sometimes we have to do, you know, like chosen resistance and go choose challenges. If we didn't see that, just being around in the entrepreneurship world, do you have suggestions for somebody who maybe did not have those challenges for around like when you start needing to do hard things and be a beginner and start over if that's not something that's like seen with their parents or kind of natural to their life.
0: Yeah, I always tell people to start small of like, you know, when it comes to like, because that resilience is so important, right? Like, I mean, we could probably sit here for four hours and tell you all the times that we've been kicked in the teeth in this process
1: (laughs) over the last many years. I would listen. I love hearing it.
0: (laughs) And that's kind of the only constant, right? Is like, it's such a cliche, but it's like, you're going to get knocked down time and time again. It's just like, can you keep getting up and kind of, do you still have that belief in yourself and what you're doing and wanting to kind of move forward? So I always tell people to start small. Like if that's not something that they're used to try it with working out, it with like the smallest things and get comfortable with being uncomfortable. It took me a very long time of running my own business after leaving Goriana to really realize that like, this wasn't ever settling down. Like I kind of kept believing that like, okay, at this point, when I get to here, then things will feel calm. Or when, you know, we achieve this milestone, then this won't feel so stressful or so crazy. And I'm lucky that I have grandma that, you know, she could very clearly be like, that's never the case. You really just have to get used to the uncomfort and kind of living in it and learning, you know, kind of how to separate your stresses from your actual everyday life and kind of what exists in your four walls at home and like to be able to find your peace.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think for me, I kind of find it to be a societal problem at this point. I find that there's just like this expectation that things just come to you. I don't think like when I was growing up, that was the case. That wasn't even like the attitude in society. Like it was like, unless you worked really hard and sacrificed and were willing to start somewhere and go get someone coffee and learn how to do that and learn the business that way. Like I worked for a designer before and learned the jewelry space, not because I actually wanted to be a jewelry designer, just because that's what it ended up leading me to what I did. But it was not pleasant and not, you know, it wasn't like, oh, it's so glamorous and so exciting. It's like you have to sort of get in that grit and just like even like you have to be okay being uncomfortable, but also realizing like it's work. I think there's also this fallacy that like work supposed to, it's like everyone's like, do what you love, do what you're passionate about. And it's like, that's great, but like also just side note, maybe 20% will be fun. 80% will be like really kind of nightmarish. Like you're like, oh, I really don't want to do this. I still have to do things where I'm like, I find myself it's almost like that exam that you're like waiting to study for at the last minute because you're just like, don't want to do it. I still have things that I have to do that are like that where I'm like, I have to go do this now. I have to go do this now. And I'm like, Ugh, okay. But I realize like, if I don't do those things, I'm not going to progress and move forward and the business isn't going to succeed. I always say all the time, like that book outliers was a huge thing for me. Cause it just really kind of summed it up. I recommend that book to everybody. It's like, if you don't put in the time and like, they're like, Oh, Kobe Bryant wasn't amazing. All of a sudden he put in hours and, hours and hours and hours and hours and hours and hours of practice. And I feel like entrepreneurship is like you going to work is your hours and hours and hours of practice. It's so true. And entrepreneurship,
0: like I think to Grant's point of like kind of societally, I think Well, the other piece of his entrepreneurship is so idolized now, right? It's become part of like our culture is this thing that's like way glorified. I mean, and nobody talks about 80% of it and how absolutely nightmarish the process is and stressful and isolating and like grueling it is. And so many kids now, right? They come out of college like wanting to start their own businesses, which is insane. Like why? Like I was not that kid. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no. you know, go get experience and kind of understand what the world looks like first before starting something on your own. And I don't and there's certainly plenty of you know 23 year olds I'm sure that have great ideas that come out of college with something they want to do. but it's almost become this forced thing that's like trying to find something, to become an entrepreneur rather than entrepreneurship used to be something that came from seeing a need, right? Like in a market or within your job or something that's kind of come up. And it's kind of like become reverse engineer these days. I feel like that everyone's just looking to start a business. They have no idea what it is. They just know they want to start something, which is also respectable. And I understand why having careers and jobs can be challenging when you're not in control of it. But yeah, it's definitely a glorified thing these days. Like I don't think enough of kind of the dark sides of it are shown.
2: Yeah, I know. There's a enormous burden that comes with having being an entrepreneur. And yes, like no, I know. To some people, they're like, "Oh, what? I never want to work for someone." And okay, that's fine. But then you also do you want the burden of having to make all those decisions and having everyone else's like livelihood on your shoulders, the weight of that on your shoulders? Like that's a huge responsibility. That's not something that's like there's no sexy thing here. Nothing's happening. That's amazing. <laughs> like I mean, and I know people are, if people perceive it that way because. You know, it's like whatever. Like you show the pictures, and it's like, oh, it's on on the gram and on TikTok, everyone seems like there's so much fun. It's amazing. It's like, uh, no, that's not reality. And I think, look, like, does everyone want to be a no one wants to be like a Debbie Downer and every day be like, This sucks. This is hard. <laughs> but we call each other and say that
0: all the yeah. time. That is the conversation we have most often.
2: Yeah. But you want to stay positive and share positivity. You know, like, it's like, that's one of the things like, you don't want to like always be the downer and whatever, but there is a reality that people need, you know, that everyone needs to be aware, of, especially young people. It's like, you have to
1: understand that it's not, it's not easy. I so feel you. And I, cause I am that for the past like 15 years. So I so feel you. And I try to explain this to people and simultaneously, sometimes I, my podcast, I'll go on and on about like how how challenging it is and like what to expect. And then I'm like, but if you know, you're meant to be an entrepreneur, there's no way that you would do anything else. Like you can't picture anything else. So I would love to know, like, what do you think are some of the traits of when you know you're an entrepreneur? Like when you just know, like what is something that came through for you? And then also, you know, I have people who work for me that I can't imagine. Like I I can't imagine if they decided they wanted to be an entrepreneur because of how pivotal their role is to supporting what we do, like visionary or creative versus that integrator kind of role. So can you kind of give me the differentiators of what you have seen throughout working with people of what you think the entrepreneur, the kind of the founder CEO mindset is versus someone who's going to help grow and scale that company?
0: I think... For the founder um, CEO, kind of that mindset, I think for me, as an example, I started my career at a college at Kate Spade in New York, working in PR there, and then moved to Hawaii, was in the PR world. And then jumped over to Gorana's company when they were super, super tiny. still. I mean, I think there was maybe like three employees at the time, and worked with them with Gorana and Jason in building the brand for four years. And I knew that I never wanted to be an entrepreneur, like it never even crossed my mind really growing up or anything of the sort. But As I was working for them, I like had this just need to go do it myself. And I knew that I was like, this is going to be the best job I ever have. Like, I'm not going anywhere from here from the perspective career wise that if, if this isn't like satisfying me entirely, then the only next step for me is really to kind of go off on my own and to try this myself, because that was just this thing that I couldn't kind of get past. And I think that's what most people in some capacity have is that kind of like, Just that itch that can't be scratched with, you know, any other job or any experience, regardless of how great it is. And to answer your question about, you know, the difference between those things internally of like the growers and the people that are really there from like a to help kind of drive a vision forward versus having the vision themselves. I think that can change at any point. I've had, I think we've both had a ton of employees over the years. And I think most of them don't want to be entrepreneurs. I think sometimes I actually show them too much of of how gnarly the process is or they're like, wow, you really turned me off from this path ever. But I think at the same time, knowing what your strengths are and what you excel at is so important. I think like we're not all supposed to be entrepreneurs and we absolutely shouldn't be. And if you can find satisfaction in a career path, that is fantastic. And executing against someone else's vision is one of the hardest things to do. And one of the most fulfilling things to do to be able to take something from point A to point B, right. And it not be your own thing is actually like really commendable and respectable. But I think that that can change at any point. Cause I think any of those people at any time could maybe, you know, get that kind of flame inside of something that they become super passionate about and do want to start and can kind of take that and go run with it. There's nobody that I would say like is absolutely incapable of it. It's just really like, is it something you want bad enough and you're willing to stick to it?
1: Because life will try and stop you many times. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, yeah. I love that you talked about kind of like knowing your zone of genius. And I'm so curious for both of you, if I was to ask you right now, and I'm going to, <laughs> what, what is your zone of genius? When are you at your best? And how have you applied that in your businesses. Okay. So this is so funny. I don't know why
2: I literally was thinking about this this week, not because of this podcast, but just in general, I realized I am the ultimate consumer. I have always, (laughs) this is true. I I can, she's laughing because this is completely accurate. I am literally like a dream. For people. Like I literally grew up always like wanting clothes and things. I'm like obsessed with beauty. I mean, the amount of beauty products I have for like every single thing. I have, I love my wardrobe. I love consuming. And what I realize is when I'm designing and creating the product, that is so key. And that is my genius because I can be like, do I want that? And why would I want that? And I literally approach it all that way. Like I'm always like, are we gonna buy that? Are we going to buy that? And I'm like, if we're not, why are we making it? And there are some things where I'm like, I understand. Maybe like from like an aesthetic perspective, like I'm not going to buy it because like, I'm not wearing that look or whatever. Or like, it's like, whatever, that particular piece is maybe not hitting all my points, but I understand it does for someone because we do have a very large demographic of women that buy our products.
0: That's also, I think, a really important thing to actually to mention because of the fact that we're living in an age where like, you know, D to C brands were so baked in data, right? Everything is data driven. We spend so much time talking about like, you know, what are the best data platforms and how are we getting the most information out? But so much of the process of running a brand really still comes from Instinct. And I think that's what, you know, Graham's really hitting on that, like, it doesn't matter how much data the company has on, you know, the Parker necklace being the bestseller and all of these things. As the kind of visionary, you have to constantly be thinking about what's next. And that's not going to come from data. Like a lot of that is instinct and that kind of like, what does my gut tell me that where are we going to go next? And what do I think is going to like work? And what's she, the consumer, going to want from us?
1: Can you share anything that has come from instinct for both of you recently that might seem weird to someone else or something that you just know that you had to do straight from your gut? Oh man, I feel like this is kind of all the time. Um, I feel like this is everything I do. (laughs) We actually were
0: having a conversation this weekend about this at your house, Karana, about how, because on this data path, right? So much of what we see, it can kind of paint any picture we want it to, right? It kind of depends on who's interpreting it and how you're looking at it. So I think there's a lot of times that my team will go, hey, this is what's working and this is what we need to do more of. And my gut will be the opposite. And I will look at it and go, well, wait a second. Well, what if you look at it from this lens? What if we actually look at this from a long-term perspective? Is this actually what we want to be doing? And like, it's kind of like the scope of which you want to look at it, right? Like, If we're going to look at it just from today or for the last six months, sure, this may be true. But if we look at it from a future state and where we actually want to go, if this doesn't align with the direction that we want to take the brand, then even though this may be working today, we maybe need to redirect in another place because this actually isn't where we want this to be. And so I think that that's where that kind of like you have to be able to zoom out and constantly be looking at 30,000 feet because you can get stuck in the day to day and the weeds of like what's happening today very, very quickly. And oftentimes, you know, I think our teams, like that is their job. They're supposed to be executing on today. And it's our job to be looking, you know, 12 months, two years out of where are we going? And what is it that we want to execute and do with this brand and companies and businesses and teams and all of these things that isn't like clear and present today? Like it's our job to kind of find those stories where maybe others can't or don't see it the same way.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think for us, my biggest example is, when we opened our first store, there was, everyone was like, what in the hell are you talking about? Like, why are we going into retail? What are you two talking about? Like, we're so focused here. Like, why would we do that? And it was like this like key pivotal moment where Jason and I just intuitively kind of were like, okay. Like, like we were like, this just makes sense. I have no idea why, but there's signs and we're just going to go with it. And everyone else was like, okay, but very reluctantly, like, okay. And then it's literally completely transformed our business sense. So it's like, it's those things that sometimes, I don't know, they just don't make sense. But you're like, someone's telling you, like, you need to do this.
0: There's so much of listening to your gut. It's like so much of that, right? It's that listening to your gut and that intuition of, we call it tribal knowledge, right? But it's like so much of, and it's so much of the outliers. It's like, once you do something for so long, your gut and instinct is telling you to do things. It really is based on all of your experiences and everything that you already know, but you may not be able to explain as to like why exactly your gut is telling you to do this, but it's like, this is just the right path and this is what we have to
1: do. Yeah, that's so it's so interesting because I'm actually thinking about how I first experienced your brand. Someone had like sent me some of your jewelry, like earrings and stuff. And I went to the website and I wasn't quite used to at the time, like I wasn't a huge website shopper. And then uh, probably like a couple of years later, I went into a store, and then that was it. Like now, I can shop on the website because I understand. I had that experience. I know what to expect.
2: So I am a hundred percent like that. Like if I can interact with a brand in person, I am totally fine online. Then I'm like, oh yeah, I know how this fits. I know what's going on. Blah blah blah. I have oh like Natalie Martin. Like I love those dresses so much. I have so like it's crazy, but. I got my fit. I figured like they carry them at a local boutique and now I can go to her site and transact because I'm like, I understand how this fits me whatever. And I kind of get what's happening.
0: And we've seen like that huge resurgence, right? In that retail experience in a post-COVID environment, right? Like the story was retail is dead, which I think traditional old school kind of multi-brand department stores and the model that used to exist was, but what Goriana has built in the in-store experience, it's like you get to step into the world of Goriana, right? And that that's like such an impactful thing that a consumer like will never forget. And that that feeling lasts, right? And you get to experience the brand, not just like touching and feeling the pieces, but everything about the brand, right? Like the smells in the store, the experience you have with people that are working there, you know, how great their customer care is, all of those things are touch points that whatever we are doing, you know, whether it's, you know, selling a product or selling an experience or whatever that is, every single touch point with your consumer or possible consumer, right? Like you first landed on the website, that was an imprint. It took until you stepped into the store, but every single one of those things is so, needs to be so well thought out to figure out, you know, what impact is that leaving on that consumer?
1: So many of the people listening have probably heard this, and I know that you guys have, especially for just how you talk about just the walls and you keep going and you keep going. So I would love some insight from you on when people say that your market is too saturated because you chose jewelry and you chose clothing and I'm in beverage, it's like, okay, I literally, that's all I heard is you're crazy. You're insane. Like what makes you different? And sometimes that can feel like a really shitty thing to ask. Like, why are you special? And you just know in your gut why it's going to work. I would love to hear how you overcame that. And then can you explain some of why you knew, like how you just knew you needed to keep going? I have
0: personally always come from the perspective that I like crowded spaces because it means that there's a lot of customers that want that kind of product. But I do think it's important for like you yourself to like deep down know why yours is different, right? And what it is that you bring to that group of brands or consumables, whatever it is, that is different for the customer. I think the throughput for both of us is this sense for, you know, really well-designed, high-quality product that is attainable. I think that is so much, I think, so baked into both of us because of the immigrant experience. We were obsessed with all the cool brands growing up that our parents absolutely refused to buy. Like, they would not. Our best case scenario was maybe finding it at TJ Maxx or, like, Ross when we were growing up, and then maybe we could have a pair of, like, guest jeans. But that accessibility and to be able to create something in the space that feels so rich, but isn't, that you can come in and have that experience with a brand for attainable price point, and that the aesthetic is so specific. It's something that you know that is innately yours. And that nobody else can really replicate that. Like, of course, there's a million other clothing brands and essentials brands that sell t-shirts and sweats and intimates and whatnot, but the way that we do it is really unique because it's our own. And the way that Goriana designs jewelry is very unique because it's her own. And same thing for you, right? And so you have to be able to like, just very clearly identify what is you and what isn't. Because I think what's hard in a crowded space sometimes is that you can get absolutely just like inundated with what everybody else is doing. And this feeling of like, well, should we be doing that? Should we be doing that? But kind of keeping your blinders on and really knowing what you are not as much as what you are.
2: Yeah, I have a thing. I don't think you should look at what other people are doing. I really, really, really do not, but that's, that works for me from like a product. Cause I don't ever want to be like, Oh, was I influenced by that or whatever? I just need to, I'm in my zone. I don't look at other designers. Obviously I see things that they're like an ad is served to me or randomly things like that, but I don't seek that. Cause I'm just on my own way. Like, I mean, I do think there's a certain blind confidence you have to have, you have to have this. I personally also think all entrepreneurs are partly crazy. I think there's like, you have to have that crazy, like detached gene. Yeah. You just have to. So if you're listening and you're not just stick to what you're doing, because I just don't think, I don't think this ride is for you because you just have to have that blind confidence of saying like, Hey, you know what? I feel so confident. I love this so much. Like we have a collection coming out in May. It's pretty crazy for us, but I'm so obsessed with it. I don't care. I literally was like, I don't care what anyone else thinks. I love this so much. And it's totally out of the box but I just love it and the team loves it and we're all into it. And great. When you're starting, I know that's hard because you're like, you don't have that confidence of like, you haven't had the wins. You know what I mean? Like you haven't had the Parker necklace that everyone loves. So that's hard. But I think you also just have to know it's like, I say it that Marie Con, whatever it's the spark of joy. I get that when I'm designing samples come in and I'm like, Oh my God, this is amazing. I love this so much. And then I'm like, I know for a fact, like that will be something. So it's just this like intuitive gut kind of just like listening to yourself. I
0: also do want to interject that it is, we spend a lot of time also paying attention to customer behavior and what people are actually buying and not. I don't want to make it seem like everything is like intuitive and from the gut because so much of it, like, and I've always said this to people that if you have enough signals to keep going, like on the path that you're on, there is a time, of course, for plenty of businesses, it's like, this is just not the right path. And this should stop in some capacity. If there's enough along the way, that keeps telling you to keep going, and that keeps giving you the motivation and you the belief that there is something bigger here, and that there's something that should keep you moving along, listen to those signals. But you know, there's plenty of times that you're going to get kind of a, complete wall on things that you maybe were passionate about. And you have to listen to those too.
2: Yeah, I was gonna say, I think the number one challenge is knowing when it's like a no, because it needs to be a no, or it's a no because you need to make that a yes. And I think that is a really hard thing to master. Well, I don't think anyone ever masters it, but to learn as you're going. Like I've now learned that when we design something and we keep hitting a wall, whether it's like the construction, some things I'm like, we need to move on. And then there's times where I'm like, okay, no, no, we have to have this. We're hitting walls because of like, I can make sense of why we're hitting walls. And then I can say like, okay, like how do we get past these walls?
0: And it's a matter of if you want to keep trying and putting energy behind it, right? If it's like, hey, no, this is something I really, really believe in. Like we're going to continue to chase this. I find that those are the things that kind of keep you up at night. But if there is a wall and you're like, okay, we need to kill this, but like you can't bring yourself to actually do it, then like you have to keep going. If you come to that conclusion of, hey, we should probably kill this and you're like fine with it, it's time to move on.
1: Oh yeah, I definitely, I know that feeling for sure. Okay, tell me about if I was a fly on the wall with your conversation. Sounds like you guys were together this last weekend. What are the things that you guys are talking about that is like maybe either right now that's really lighting you up and exciting you, whether it's about your businesses or whatever it is. And then maybe something that you, because you're entrepreneurs, I know that you're always thinking of something in the future and you probably have five things that you might want to do, but you're not going to do because you're going to get distracted. But what, what do those conversations look like? if I got to sit down and listen to you guys with a glass of wine or whatever you love to drink.
2: You'd probably start crying and be totally depressed. (laughs) You'd be like, Oh my God, (laughs) these two are crazy and they're way
0: too stressed out. I know. Fortunately, unfortunately, I think that the entrepreneurship path is so lonely, right? Like you have to find other people going through this at the same time. And that are kind of in the same place and dealing with the same issues. Because I think otherwise I have said this so many times that the idea of mentorship in our world is almost become like foreign to some degree because the people that did this 10 years ago, their experience at this point is practically irrelevant. Like it not entirely, obviously there's the fundamentals are still the same, but like operating even in an e-commerce environment today versus even 12 months ago has changed dramatically, right? So finding people that are doing this on a day-to-day basis right now is so important to be able to like give yourself some calm and peace because so often you're like is this only happening to us or you know what is everyone else experiencing and what's kind of going on so so much of What we talk about is really just like the struggles that we're going through at any given time and kind of what's stressing
2: us out. Yeah, and not even, sometimes it's not even specific. I'll be like, I'm just having like the worst week. Nothing is flowing. (laughs) We're like, I just want to get back in bed. Or I'm like, oh my God, I'm so excited. I like something like, I I don't know. Like I got some sample and I can't wait. And I send her a picture or something. Like it's like, it kind of varies. And then frankly, as being sisters too, we try to spend a lot of our time not talking about work. Because we're like, hey, you know what? What are the kids doing? Or whatever. ADF, that Anna Delvey show. I don't know what we're talking about. We're talking about Netflix. We're talking about like every, you know, it's like. You do the accents with her. Yeah. Yeah, totally.
0: The process is so challenging. I think that we can recognize that in each other, right? Like we both know, like when the other one's so stressed out, that it's like, hey, are you okay? Like I'm worried about you. Like, are you going to be okay? <laughs> And of like, hey, what is it that's happening right now that's really stressing you out? You know, I I go to Grand and Jason all the time. They've been doing this a decade longer than I have. You know, and I come to them all the time with like, hey, this is what I'm battling against right now. Really, kind of get in the weeds with them on like, hey, this is what we're facing right now. And inevitably, every single time, it's like, oh yeah, we went through a version of that. Here's how we handled it. Here's what we did, which is such a huge help to me. That's constantly what I'm doing. And we so much we spend so much time like sending you know images back and forth of like sample they're always like the sample images on Grant is usually on trays mine are usually on our fit models and she's like make those pants longer cut this shirt this way <laughs> and those kinds of just like little things back and forth that we can like really enjoy but we actually don't spend a lot of time kind of like the daydreaming like big picture kind of out there of like what do we have in mind we spend so much time together kind of as families and kind of trying to unplug together as well, which is nice. Cause I think we're very good at also turning it off. Cause I think all of us kind of need that lever of being able to like, okay, we're not talking about work today.
2: Yeah. I like your last text to me. I died. I was like, Oh my God, which I'm not going to mention. It was a, it was a bad plastic surgery situation. <laughs> she was like, this can't be real. I was like, Oh my goodness. <laughs> So it's that funny stuff like that, where it's just like that, like, I think we try, I think we both are aware of the day to day and then try to sort of like bring those kind of lighter, funnier moments into each other's lives.
1: A few of the things that you've said is kind of just the, what I'm working on daily is just always learning to and compartmentalize my life. And I don't think that this comes natural to women because I think we're supposed to Know where the kids are, where the food is, where the partner is, where what we're supposed to be doing is knowing everything all at once. Except now, your cortisol goes through the roof and you'll your adrenals will, you just won't be able to make it. So tell so me. Yeah,
2: a well, how about we ironically got COVID the same day without seeing each day. other within two weeks. Yeah. So I don't even know how We haven't even happened. seen each other. We didn't even get it from the same place. But it was the insane. best is now we're dealing with like the COVID brain. So that's super fun with everything you're talking about. Like, that's awesome. Half the time I'm like, oh, was I supposed to pick him up? Like, wait, what's
1: happening? Like, I'm like <laughs> oh my God. Fail. Yeah, you guys need to back each other up because that's real. Is that something that you just, bring awareness to like compartmentalizing your day or do you really try to be like okay I'm on a walk right now with my kids or my family I'm gonna just be here or are there things that you do to support yourself mentally because this is such a crazy job so because
2: Jason and I are obviously husband and wife and do this together this has been a huge practice for us and I think that's something we will get kind of off track here and there but we're pretty good like I'll be like okay we're at Family, we're sitting out for dinner, or we are like hiking with the kids. Let's not talk about work. So let's not talk about this, this, and that, whatever. And I think one thing that's kind of helped is we've almost allocated the time. So, like, we go on a walk or whatever, and we know, like, that's the time for us to like hash out whatever's going on, whether it's like about the kids or about work or whatever. And then when we're with the kids or in our family time, then it's not like we're having to talk about those things. But you almost have to, in a way, like you're compartmentalizing, but you almost have to like set a time to talk about certain things and be like, okay, that is my time and get in a habit of being like, that is my time. Like with Eva, like even if we're like sitting at the pool together, we're not discussing business because maybe we've already had a phone call like earlier in the week where we like got all our stresses out and then we're not going to talk about it in front of the kids. We're going to watch them like jump in the pool and make sure they don't drown. (laughs)
0: <laughs> That's usually the thing. I think that you, what you're talking about, though, with like having to compartmentalize, especially as moms, at, and with running a business. Like, I think naturally as m- moms and as just women, like we're normally thinking two, three steps ahead, right? Like you're constantly like anticipating. I find that like our husbands tend to do that a little bit less when it comes to like the whole of it. That that is something that you know on a weekly basis. My husband and I sit down on like Sundays and like okay, like let's talk about the week and let's kind of get everything in place so we know what's happening when. And I will always like schedule time in for myself on a daily basis of like I have to go work out every day, whether that's even just in the garage for thirty minutes or actually going on a walk. And I will, you know, like to Grandma's point, I think work is so easily like it invades everything if you let it, right? Like you have to put those barriers up for yourself and in your relationships, whether that's like, we're not going to talk about work or in any capacity today, or I'm not going to think about work on this walk. And I'm going to listen to a podcast and like intentionally go do something else that you have to really like, it will go into every surface of your life if you allow it to your dreams, your like everything. So putting those boundaries up is so, so important. I actually turn my email off on the weekends. So I do not get emails into my inbox. Like I have to go actively check my email in order to see it on the weekends, because I found that I just like need that time. I need to be able to disconnect with my family on the weekends and be able to like really get that downtime because during the week is just so like elevated and so stressful managing the kids' schedules and work and everything that's going on all the time so I think that like this term came to me in the fall from somebody that I had met it was like protecting your peace is like such an important thing to do and to identify where you need that protection and to give yourself that because to your point like you will burn out you will absolutely get fried like there's no way around it like at some point you will just kind of hit the empty tank and like it'll you have to be able to figure out how to kind of not let yourself get there.
1: That's such an important thing. I'm so glad that you guys just touched on that. Like Goriana, you had mentioned like, well, you both mentioned like creating those spaces and places. I think you absolutely have to have those places where you are processing and working through. And then I don't know anyone who's been successful without hustling, but also like if you do not recharge, you cannot sustain that. It is impossible. It's like sprint and rest, sprint and rest. And there are times where you're like, I feel like the sprint will never, ever end. Do you have to just say like, okay, the fires will burn, but I am going to go recharge.
2: So I will say this. I think I'm a little bit opposite in my personal, like Jason's one always thinks 10 steps ahead. I'm like, what? So I will say I am a little more out the gates protective of my time. I just am like, no, sorry, I'm not doing that. You cannot reach me. One of the things that happened in COVID is what I realized was like, we were going to the office. So I was like, always like late. I was either late getting there or late leaving to pick someone up or I was always late. so like one of my biggest takeaways is I was pretty sure I was like headed for like a mental breakdown. I was always saying yes, like volunteering. I was always doing as much as I could want to be there for the kids and be there for my business. So, I mean, one of the things I did like post COVID now is like when my kids come home and they're here and based on the day, like I am off, I'm not checking my email. And if I can, I will know, like, I'm getting better about pre-looking at my calendars to be like okay when can I do this but my team will tell I'm probably one of the most frustrating people in the company because I'll be like yeah I can't meet till like next Thursday they're like what are you joking like but I'm like no I'm not because I know I used to be like oh I could take a call while I'm taking my daughter to her like class and then when she's there, I can do my meeting in the car. And then I'm like constantly juggling. And it's like this stressful, like activity where I don't really feel like I'm doing anything great. So now I'm like, no, unless I'm going to be like 100% present, I'm not doing it. It's definitely slowed things up, I will say, but I'm okay with that because I feel like I have a sense of like mental stability that I need.
0: I was more on the path of like, just go, go, go constantly all the time. Like the fact that it took COVID really to wake me up to go like, it is insane that I leave the house every morning at eight o'clock and come home for dinner and I own my own business and I have the freedom to not do this. And I have two little kids at home and I'm never at home. Like I might as well just have a job kind of thing, right? Because I think that there was just this construct of like life should look like for everybody and this like that hustle mentality that I absolutely despise now. But it will always feel like things are on fire and you just have to shut it down sometimes. Like we did that so many times during covid With our team that was like okay just randomly like hey this friday is off we're shutting down everybody has a day off like take the day go outside go for walks like go get your brain capacity back and you have to be able to recognize that in your team and yourself and to give people that, like everybody needs those mental breaks, especially our teams do. And so we have done that a ton. And I do that a lot of like, when I feel really fried of like, Hey, I'm just, I'm off tomorrow. Like I won't be on.
2: I think you, you realize pretty quickly, that, like it never really burns down, right? Like everything can wait a day. Totally. Like take your time. It's okay. Like you can take that like 30 minutes, whatever. What's hard is like, you want to be, Every Tuesday at nine, we have this meeting, but like, what if you're like not feeling the meeting at nine? It kind of sucks. I mean, really, you're like, ugh. and especially from a creative standpoint, I have found that sometimes I'm trying to be more like, okay, hey guys, let's move our meeting to Thursday because like, I like I'll wake up and I'm like, I cannot, like, I know I'm not a creative space. I'm not going to come up with any good ideas right now. Nothing's going to flow and I'm just going to force it. And it'll be one of those like mailed in meetings where you just have it to have it. And I know that's really hard and it's really frustrating for a lot of people. But if you can incorporate some flexibility into your meetings, I do think you'll end up having just more productive meetings, quality over quantity.
0: Vacation is really important too. I just want to say that. that like taking the time away and stepping away from the business. And that's for everybody, like as a founder, as an employee, you know, taking a week off. I do my best thinking and like best kind of big picture directional visionary stuff during a vacation when I can actually step away from the day-to-day. So that is like the absolute most important thing to like make sure you schedule time for
2: you have to have that, like, I feel like you're like in the weeds, right? And you're all of a sudden, like, you're like all doing this thing and you get in a, and then you step away and you're like, oh, wait, maybe I should. You like, do I need to be doing that? Do I need to be, should I be doing more of this? And it's like, unless you're step away to see the big picture, it's almost like you get too, like, in the forest. You're not, like, you're just like in the trees. You're not seeing the forest. You're like, okay, let's look at the forest. Like, we, we got to like step back here. You have to have those breaks and you have to give those yourself. Even if it's like, like we're even saying like, scheduling it. If you have to, if you're like, if you have to operate that way and just say, Hey, like I have to do this. Like I have to have this hour, whether I like, I mean, for me, really, I know people like that. I I watch Netflix. That's my time. That's my thing. I got to watch my show because the only time my brain is not going because even sometimes when I'm listening to podcasts, No, it just gives me so many more ideas. Totally, which is great. And it's so awesome. But like, there are times where I'm like, yes, I'm totally in the mood. I want to learn. I want to like expand and ideate. And like, what am I going to get from listening to this? And then there's times where I'm like, no, I just want to watch The Office for 30 minutes and laugh at Michael Scott and move it along because like, I can't think about anything else.
1: Totally. When you're a creative, like other things like that, just it's more work because you're just like, you join them in the thought process. You're right. Cause you're like, Oh, I just came up with like five
2: more things to do or how I can do things better. And they're super important, but it's not, there's like an off. I need like a serious off.
1: Yeah. You got to be totally off. Yeah not like a mellow. Yeah. I think that's cool that you're sharing it because I think maybe there's some people right now who are recognizing, Oh, I thought like reading and listening to podcasts was like downtime or relaxing. And it truly, if you're a creative visionary or entrepreneur, like it is not, I can't listen to a podcast without then Like texting my team or it's totally like this like false sense of energy as well so you'll be exhausted you will listen to someone who's really inspired and you know on a podcast I'm like no I'm good to go and you're like no actually You're still exhausted and more ideas aren't the thing that is going to recharge you. That's just going to do it again. So I actually love that you differentiated, like you need that actual downtime, you know, for your brain. And and what is that going to look like for you? It's Netflix for some people. It's walking outside, like knowing what that is.
2: Totally. Whatever that is, like you're saying, I think it's important to recognize that like everyone needs their time, but it's for different things. You need to fill your cup in different ways. I realized
0: that during COVID because I actually never was an outside walker like until I didn't have a choice but it was like the only way to leave the house (laughs) and after a few weeks that I was listening to podcasts every single time and then I realized it was like I don't actually have any break of content coming at me in any capacity in some capacity right whether it's my kids my husband work tv like constantly there was something and actually just starting to play music again and it was like it was this realization that The reason that we have like ideas in the shower is it's like the one time of the day that we actually aren't occupied by anything else incoming and how important that actually is to like take walks and like just be silent and just listen to your head for a minute and see kind of what comes up because that's the place that we don't have a lot of time for these days.
1: Okay. So... I want to chat about what you are doing together. It's so exciting. You have co-designed a capsule collection for charity. Can you tell me about the charity, about the collection? You guys, I already bought it. I'm going to tell you all about it. Go ahead.
0: So we did a collaboration together and we've, Somehow 12 years later of us doing like this kind of on simultaneous paths, we finally joined forces to do this. We really just wanted to do something for International Women's Day and month really to focus on, you know, how can we give back? So 100% of the sales, literally every dollar that comes into this, we are donating to Dress for Success worldwide, um, the West Coast chapter, which is based in L.A., And Dress for Success is an incredible organization if you don't know about it that helps women achieve economic independence by providing like a network of support, professional attire development tools, which we obviously love and is such an important mission. And what we created was a necklace and a tank top to go together. And the intention of the necklace was really to be kind of like a friendship necklace, kind of a sister's necklace is how we designed it. Really kind of a riff off of like the little childhood necklaces that we would have. they were like, you know, the two broken hearts as friendship necklaces, but something that you would want to wear. And it's, you know, two kind of the same link chain in that's connected, but they're, you know, different sizes and the chains are also kind of the same, but a little bit different to really kind of resemble how like we're all connected with like those people closest to us, but we're all just a little bit different. And then we paired it with a tank top, which is kind of a edited version of our best-selling tank top, the vintage rib tank top, which is made out of this amazing, sustainable lyocell material that is actually made from like wood pulp blend is kind of what it starts from, which is super cool.
2: And the neckline is lower. So it's like... Blouse for your necklaces, and it's yeah, it's great.
0: It's a little sexier. It was meant to be like the layering necklace tank top. I am like a psycho of my layers. Like when I'll load up my necklaces of all my Gorana ones, I'll usually have like five to six of them on and make them all different lengths. And so, wanted to create kind of the best tank top for that. Yeah, so 100% of the sales are donated to Dress for Success, which we're really excited about. It's raised a ton of money so far, and we're hoping to sell out of it here in the next few weeks.
1: What is your goal? just so we can make everybody drive to hit it.
0: So we want to be able to donate $50,000. That's amazing. Our goal. Going to happen. Yeah. We got to speak it into existence. Yeah, it. it is happening. Speak it into the universe.
1: Yeah, yeah, you guys definitely go check out the necklace and tank because right when I saw it, and especially knowing all 100% of proceeds go to the nonprofit, I bought it right away. It is like such a staple. You guys are geniuses. It's such a staple piece. It actually hits a little bit different than most of my necklaces. So it fills in my gap of like yeah. where I need it. <laughs> exactly. So a genius. It's like a little bit below the collarbone, it looks like. So I've got like the choker one, then I've got the longer one, but you need the in-between one. The in-between, exactly. And if you guys go get it, definitely take a picture of yourself, upload it, tag me, tag them, because we can all be wearing our necklaces together and join the sisterhood of helping other people dress for success. So you guys, I'm so excited that you came on the show. Thank you so much just for sharing all of it and not editing you know, what it actually is. <laughs> yeah, we don't do that that um, well. We I don't, I don't, I it don't well. either. <laughs> so you're on the perfect show. <laughs> um, I'm just really, really grateful. And also for what you're doing to give back. So where can we go exactly and get it?
2: Oh, you can go to our website. Yeah. It's the Goriana's website. Yeah. Goriana.com.
1: G-O-R-J-A-N-A.com. And then it'll be under rich or poor. Okay. Amazing. You guys definitely go check that out. It is in the show notes too. And for sure, like I said, take a selfie of yourself. We want to see it. We want to know what you got out of the podcast, but most of all, we want to see you in this incredible tank top and necklace. And you can do the, you can do the necklace, you can do the tank top, or you can do the necklace and tank top. That's all there. So exactly. All right, you guys, thank you so much. And thank you for having us. It was fun. Yes, I loved it. Thanks to everybody listening. And until next time, earn your happy. Bye, everyone.